Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. So today, I won't take a whole lot of time. Uh, you know me, I'm Sam Chan. I am called to serve the Church of Jesus Christ, born and raised in a Pentecostal pastor's home in India. I pastored a church here in the United States, and then I became president of Beulah Heights University in Atlanta, and now I do what I do. So God's been good to me. And many of you have my books and my resources, part of my leadership institute, and I'm grateful for that. But today, I want to talk to you about two words, church strong. Church strong. We're living in difficult days. We're living in trying times. I have lived in the United States of America since 1973. In just a couple months, I will be turning 68. But what I'm experiencing, not just seeing, but what I'm experiencing is totally unprecedented. Never, ever seen what I'm seeing right now never experiencing what I'm experiencing right now, never feeling what I'm feeling right now. Been through tough times, but there's something different about this moment. So as we look at what's going on around us right now, we keep calling this a crisis. And yes, to a great degree, it is that. But I happen to believe that the real crisis is yet ahead. I happen to believe that the crisis that we're going through right now is not the crisis, it is the trigger. The real crisis, which is the bullet, is still sitting in the barrel of the gun. The other thing I want you to know about how I'm feeling right now, and I'm convicted of this fact, that the real crisis that's gonna come will not be solved by politicians, will not be solved by our social agencies and all of them are great and wonderful, but really the only answer will be the church itself. The church will be the only resource that can actually touch the lives holistically of people. So what I see coming ahead of me, I made 16 points in my, in my notes here. In my 16 things that I see coming and there could be a whole lot more but I don't want to overwhelm myself and you with more than that. Uh, I see marriages in trouble, number one. Number two, I see when courts open up, divorces proceeding because people have been together and discovered this is not what I signed up for. Number three, I'm seeing domestic abuse on the rise. Uh, hotlines that, uh, that allow people to call in domestic violence is uh, on the up and up. In fact, domestic violence uh, locations were shut down because of the pandemic, and so it has just accelerated each other. Not only that, number four, child abuse is on the rise. Foster care, because of that, child abuse is gonna be on the rise as well. Number six, substance abuse. Number seven, alcohol abuse. Number eight, great depression. Number nine, shame. I should have, I could have, I didn't. Number 10, economic setback. Number 11, backlogged court cases of people who are waiting for resolution. Now it's gonna be years before their cases are resolved. 
because of the economy, there'll be house evictions. Number 13, there's going to be rental evictions. So homelessness will be on the rise. Number 14, unemployment. Right now, we've got uh, over 40 million people out of the workforce, a high, high, high unemployment. Number 15, there'll be food insecurity. People who never thought they would stand in a soup line, people who never thought who'd go to, through a drive-through to pick up a bag of groceries are having to do that now. Food insecurity. Number 16, death and grief that goes along with that. So I don't know when you're gonna to get to watch this video that I'm making for you, but as of today, over 115,000 people have died in the United States, somehow or the other, related with COVID-19. So even if, and none of them have been able to receive a decent funeral. So even if each one of them was gonna have on the lower side, a hundred people show up for the, for the wake, for the cemetery, for the funeral home. 115,000, that's over 15 million people who have no closure to grief, who have no closure to sorrow, who have brought no way to go through the rites and the passages that we have that help us to grieve the loss of our loved ones. Grief. And then racism. It's a troubling situation. It's all around us. And the church is having to deal with that. The church should have been dealing with that, needs to be dealing with that, and will be dealing with that. So with all of those, I just gave you 16. There's many, many more. There was the role of the church. What's the role of the pastor? What's the role of the leaders in the church? Let me give you a few of those. Number one. Don't be a settler, remain a pioneer. When, when these things started happening in our world, we all pivoted, we all started making changes, we all were innovative, we were all creative, we all have new ideas, new suggestions, new leadership, new ways of doing things. And that is when we were pioneers, we were excited. I mean, even in the middle of the unknown week, we felt like something is happening. But then you keep doing that and you become settlers. And settlers are people who just say, okay, it's here. Let's get back to whatever it was. And when the church ever stops being a pioneer and becomes a settler, it'll, it is a sad day in the leadership of the church. So to all my Ohio Church of God leaders, I want to say to you, never become a settler. Always remain a pioneer. Number two is strengthen the church. Strengthen the church. Uh, I started thinking about the epistles, the epistles in the New Testament. So what was the purpose of the epistles written in the New Testament? Written by great men? Written great ways? So there are many different purposes because every epistle has its own purpose. However, the generalized purpose of all epistles put together is to strengthen the church strengthen the church. And because uh, the epistles were written during turbulent times, during chaotic times, during persecution times, during uncertain times, during unpredictable times. The epistles were written in a time in which the church was just a baby church and it was forming itself. It was trying to get its moorings theologically and relationally. You remember Acts chapter 15? When the first council of Jerusalem was convened, 
It is because of that Acts chapter 15 Jerusalem council that you and I, most of you and definitely for me, are part of the kingdom. Because till then, the question was, what do we do with the Gentiles? I'm a Gentile. Most of you are Gentiles unless you're 100% Jew. And the question was, when Gentiles get saved, when Gentiles want to be part of the church, should they be circumcised? Should they become like us before they can be part of the church? Should they identify with us in every way before they become part of the church? And so Acts chapter 15 happens. And because of the decision made during that turbulent time of who do we include as the body of Christ, you and I get to call ourselves Christians. See, it is like this. If the church is strong, the church can lead. You've been called upon to lead in different ways right now, in ways you never thought you would. In fact, in ways that you're reluctant to lead like right now. But the important thing is, you can lead only as the church is strong. Because you see, it's going to be the church. The answer to our predicaments are not with the Democratic Party, it's not with the Republican Party, it's not with any party, it is not in politics. The answer to our dilemmas have to emanate when the church takes responsibility for it. So you got, to, you got to grow your church spiritually. So if you could draw four circles, the inner uh, one around the other, the inner circle being core, C-O-R-E, around that is the congregation, the larger circle around that is the crowd, and the circle around that is the community. The core, the congregation, the crowd, the community. Rick Warren taught us those four circles. And uh, your church is only as strong as your core is strong. So if you grow your core, if you grow your core, you're going to be church strong. Your church is only as strong as your core. So my question is, are you raising up leaders? Are you doing spiritual formation? Are you asking people to be mature? Are you not appeasing people and pacifying people, but making sure that the uh, Core, because the pastor and the church leaders you have, as you strengthen the core, your church gets stronger. Because, number six, your heavenly calling makes you a spiritual leader. Your authority is from God. I totally understand ecclesiastical authority. I understand the authority that God has given to Bishop Ron Martin as the Bishop of the Church of God for the state of Ohio. I get that. I have no problem with that. But you're, you were saved by God's grace. You were called by God's calling. You were mandated with that desire and burning in your heart because what God said to you. You are a spiritual leader. And when Pastors and churches stop leading spiritually first. You can lead in every other way. You can lead in the community. You can lead in every way in humanitarian crisis. But if you don't lead spiritually, you're abandoning your primary call in your life. You see, number seven, your influence in the community will depend on your spiritual leadership. Never abandon your role as a pastor, which is to be the spiritual leader first. 
Because you see, you got to teach people to be, not just do. Be. B-E. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Not you'll do light. You are the light of the world. He said, you are the salt of the earth. It's not you're going to do salt. You are the salt. And the challenge in our life is we try to do service for the king. We try to do church. We try to do Christianity. But I'm calling on all the pastors right now to ask yourself, how am I inculcating my people, nurturing my people, growing my people to be spiritual first and do next? Because you see, that comes from helping them understand the why behind the what. There's a lot of what going on in the world right now. And a lot of people are doing a lot of what, but they don't understand the why behind it. And I'm saying to you, the why is more important than the what. Help your people understand why we do what we do, why we think the way we think, why we reach out the way we reach out, why we help the way we help. It is not because we have to. There's a bigger why than that. Number nine, focus. Understand the horse and cart issue here. Your horse is your calling and your cart is what you do. Don't ever let what you do get ahead of your calling. Otherwise, everything gets messed up. Number 10, make sure your church is strong spiritually. Make sure your church is strong spiritually. And number 11, so important. Pastors, pray with each other. I'm talking about one-on-one. I'm all for corporate prayer. I'm all for getting on Zoom calls. I'm, I'm, I have no problem with that. But wonder what it would be like if your name is Pastor Tom and I call you up and I say, hey, this is Sam. How are you? How's your family? How's your health? How are you feeling? Have you noticed so far I have not talked to them about church I've not talked to them about online. I've not talked to them about staffing. I've not talked to them about money. I've not talked to them about how you're doing your church. Because you see, that is where the doing aspect comes in. But who are you? Somebody needs to reach out to somebody on the who-ness of them. That's not a good word. I, no, it's not a bad word. It's just not a word. And so I say, hey, Pastor Tom, how are you? Your family? And we talk on a personal level, not church level, personal level. And then I say to you, Pastor Tom, do you mind if I prayed with you? And I prayed with Pastor Tom, Tom, one-on-one, on the phone. How amazing is that? Rarely ever happens. Rarely ever happens. But you can change that. In the next 24 hours, will you take the Chan challenge and call three pastor friends? or pastors who are not even closely associated with you. Tell them who you are. Tell them you're just checking up on them. Tell them you wanna pray with them. It's really about being church strong because what's ahead for the church, the issues the church will have to deal with will not come from programs, will not come from politicians. It will come because the church is strong spiritually. How the church doing on the spiritual barometer? It's been difficult to measure lately, but I think that's a great question. How is the church doing spiritually?
How are you raising leaders? <laughs>